I love today's story. Our guest today is going to share how music changed the direction of his life and how he shares music to help others change their direction. Building spirituality, family, health, and business. This is The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. Welcome, Giant Builders. Well, you have a special treat today because I love stories of people overcoming. And this is James Daly, and he definitely overcame. And so we were really excited to share his story. How are you today, James? I'm doing fabulous, Lois. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. Well, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you? I am a classical pianist. I own San Ramon Academy of Music, which gives uh, remote and in-person music lessons in San Ramon, California. And I also own Powerful Piano, which is a YouTube channel that gives uh, free learning resources to music students. Oh, that's pretty cool. Any type of music or specific kinds of music with the YouTube channel? It's mainly classically focused, okay. but mostly piano based because as a piano teacher, I record content based off of trying to give people access to just tools to become a better musician. So we, we have, um, well, I'm actually wearing one of the shirts right now. So we make shirts. <laughs> we have a uh, musician's notebook, which I'm, I've worked on for the last few years, actually finally coming out, which is a great study resource for anyone wanting to uh, learn music from a scholastic perspective. So a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Classical music. That's a pretty hard one. Yeah, it's, it definitely requires a lot of study a lot of study and i think it's a very it's an interesting field of music very like esoteric just because there's so much that goes into pedagogy like the process of teaching and the importance of teaching to the way that history has dictated with that music it ironically is part of the reason that i think it gets so isolated and kind of held back from being able to reach more people, kind of like myself, you know, most people that look like me or talk like me don't really play classical music. <laughs> well, all right, well, you did overcome some barriers. Can you talk about that? Sure. Well, you know, I, I try and say everything, take everything with a grain of salt, you know, because I, I feel like while I did have to overcome some things, there's people that have had it so much harder that I feel almost guilty saying that I've overcome things because I know there's people that have had to overcome even on a daily basis way more than I've had to. So, you know, I always want to preface it with that perspective. I basically put myself through college. I went to UC Berkeley for music and I kind of took a very circuitous route to get there, some would say. You know, my mom was a single parent. It's kind of like a latchkey kid situation. I actually originally dropped out of high school as uh, the beginning of my junior year. And I just, I wanted to play music. I played, uh, I also played bass and guitar. I played in like punk bands and I just wanted to go on tour and just be in a band. And, you know, I think that the, uh, the people that I was around, um, some of them I'm still very close friends with, but a lot of people that aren't necessarily my life anymore, you know, there's a negative uh, influence in terms of like, you know, drug use, illegal activity, just not a, uh, a lifestyle that's conducive for long-term success, you know? And it was my, my love of music that kind of 
took me out of the um took me off the path that I was on and put me on a different one. Yeah. Oh, that is so great. Hmm. Punk to classic. That's quite a job. <laughs> yeah, well, I grew up playing piano, you know, um, so my grandmother is a concert pianist. My mother is a violinist, you know, and it was it was drilled into me. They're both, um, you know, African-American. It was drilled into me that, um, you know, you got to work twice as hard to get half as much. And um, as a kid, I had to practice like a lot, like a lot. <laughs> um, you know, I started playing piano when I was like three and a half. And I kind of became just really disillusioned with the instrument after, you know, a few years. And then I was like, well, what's the opposite of classical music? Uh, punk rock, let's <laughs> And it, you know, and I think I'm very grateful for the punk community because it's very inclusive. So, you know, in classical music, I, you know, you do competitions, recitals, you know, I'd always wonder, you know, why I was the only like brown kid, why my mom looked different than all the other parents there. And it just, you don't feel very included within, you know, that classical music, I guess. Punk was kind of the opposite, where it was like, you just kind of come as you are, and it doesn't matter if you played a note wrong, <laughs> as long as you play with, you know, passion, which was something that really, really spoke to me. Was there a point where you said that you made that turn? Was there something that happened that said, no, I want to go this way? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question, actually. You know, I feel it's not specifically like a Volta moment where you're like, aha, now mm -hmm. I, I know, but it was kind of an accumulation. I, um, I, so I dropped out of high school, my mom, you know, and we're very close now, but um, I was not a great kid. Like I was coming home super late and she worked so much. She worked so hard to be able to provide for me. And you know, your kids, they don't really realize, but she eventually kicked me out when I was like, right before I turned 17. And I was working full time and, you know, I was surviving. I was doing not so great things to get by, but I had a job too. So I wasn't just, you know, but um, it was, like I said, not a lifestyle conducive for long-term success. Um, and I took a music class at a community college and that kind of opened the door. I had, um, I feel very lucky to have had good mentors, but uh, right before I dropped out of high school, my uh, guidance counselor, Miss uh, Tiffany Traina, is, I love Miss Traina. She told me, she's like, you know, you should really just take this test and then like I can get you into concurrent enrollment and like you can do a class at a community college. She's like, you're smart. You should be like, you should just do something. Like I get that you hate high school. I get that you hate it here, but at least you can do something else. So I took a, a, a business econ class one semester is the only class I took after I dropped out and I really liked it just because of the way that the accountability worked in college versus high school. And I went to a pretty objectively terrible high school. I think it's like a less than 20% graduation rate mm -hmm. in LA. So just that was different. And then over the summer, I signed up for a music class because I was like, you know, I really want to write better music for the band that I was in. And it really made me fall in love with written music all over again. And I hadn't played piano. I had forgotten how to read music, which is so funny because it's literally my job now to teach people how to read music. <laughs> and I, I had this like dawning moment, but also like moment of like sheer terror, like, oh my gosh, like I want to do this, but I'm so far behind the eight ball. Like, I don't even know if like it's going to be possible. 
And um, I don't know, I'm a very determined person. So I worked, I just thought, okay, if I practice more than everyone, then, then I'll be okay. And then, um, so I went to, so I started taking a full load in the fall of classes, like 20 units. I worked full time, practiced full time, wow. hard, hard, <laughs> hardly slept for two years, but you know, like I got straight A's in community college. I got a full scholarship to UC Berkeley for music at Berkeley. I had amazing tools and resources that made me a better musician, but that one class in community college was really that moment where I was like, wow, there's something else for me that I can do. Oh, that is so exciting. Good for you. Well, tell me some of the goals for your academy. You know, I will always teach. I love teaching and I feel very indebted to the mentors that I've had over the course of my life that I that I have now. I think I, I am really like an amalgamation of their input. You know, I, I did the things to be fair. I did, I did the things, but I wouldn't have done them or known how to do them without mentors. So mentorship is something that's so important to me. I'll always teach, but I think I'll have a more oversight role in the academy because part of the reason I made the school was, you know, I wanted to reach more students. I realized I was like, man, like there's a point where, you know, I had like 40 something private students. I was working like seven days a week. It was just like not sustainable. And I was getting calls for more students. You know, I think, um, because I don't know, there's something where kids seem to really empath. I can empathize with my students and they seem to really appreciate that I treat them like as much of an adult as possible and give them a voice. And I try and make it fun instead of just, we have a linear objective of a musical goal. So I definitely see myself more in the future, overseeing more, doing more to bring on teachers like myself, because I know and that was why I started the school in the first place, you know, because I was like, I can't be the only good music teacher. Like, that would be so <laughs> egotistical to think, you know. But I know that there's bad ones. I've worked at music schools where they kind of indiscriminately hire and they just try and get as many people in there as possible, right? And that's actually how I built my studio, because I would substitute for some of their students. And the students would be so shocked at the difference in lesson they would ask to join my studio. And then it kind of eventually moved till I had to do my own thing because I didn't have any more time at the school. So giving a platform for like-minded educators is really one of my biggest goals. And I think everything else will kind of take, falls into place from there. You know, I think a lot of times as a business owner, we get very stuck in the quarter one, quarter two, quarter three goals, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. are uh, looking at the P&L sheets, right? <laughs> and um, I found that the more that I just move forward with positive intention, everything else just kind of works itself out. You know, it's just really, and it get, I, I don't know if it's like a faith-based thing, maybe it's easier when you have faith in your life, but I just know that it'll work out. Like I trust that it'll work out. I know that I was put on this earth to be a music teacher and to provide, you know, my gifts in, in this way. And just by being a genuine person, I feel that you know, the, the goals kind of work themselves out. So I try not to be too stuck on like, I have to achieve this, or I need to make this dollar amount, or I need this amount of students, you know, within five years. But I just want, I'd say my biggest goal is to have a thriving community of educators and students that have long-term relationships. I looked at your website and I saw some of your students playing. They are amazing. I mean, just, 
little you. young people just going all over the keyboard and it was like whoa <laughs> they are amazing all right talk to me about how you balance between the artistic part and the business pursuit man that is a that is a good question it's something that i'm still still actively calibrating i think you're always calibrating that you know because it's not and i tell this to my high schoolers all the time when they're telling me about like life and i'm like dude i get it it's hard i get mm -hmm. it it's hard but like do you think life gets less complicated or more complicated as you get older <laughs> you know yeah. um and it's like it's just on us to adapt to new load basically like you need more load tolerance essentially so i think that balance is is difficult to maintain and i think i'll catch myself being more work oriented and I think I'll notice the effects later, you know, like when it's a little bit too late. Um, but I mean, it's never too late, but like after, you know, I like, I'll realize like, oh my gosh, I haven't played piano like I should have for a while, you know, or I haven't, you know, put as much focus and attention into like my other hobbies and pursuits. And I think it, it's difficult as a business owner because you don't have a time card. You mm -hmm. can't just clock out. So and now I still work seven days a week doing admin stuff, trying to grow the business, but it's towards an objective of put this um, systematizing all of the things that can be done that way. So what I spend my real time on is the things that only I can do. Mm -hmm. And I think that I think that is something that's really important for helping me maintain my balance because it's a goal toward to I'm working towards sustainability. I'm not just working, but I've had to check myself recently. Actually, it's like, all right, what's the difference between a 10 hour workday and a 14 hour workday? It's like, did you really get that much more done in the four hours? Because there's a rate of diminishing return on the amount of time that you put into something. And it's so hard for people to take their own advice. But I, I tell my students all the time, one of my favorite, fa I love speaking in analogies to them because they'll remember them later and we can reference them and stuff. And it, it's kind of open-ended too, so they can make their own connections with it. But I, one of my favorite questions is like, how do you grow a garden? And they always say, you know, uh, water and sunshine, right? And it's like, you're forgetting the most important thing, which is time. Like, you're, are you gonna give the plant extra water to make it grow? No, you're just gonna kill it. Like, are you gonna give it extra sunshine to make it grow? You're gonna kill it. So it's like, yes, you do need ideal conditions for something to grow, but just, just giving it time. So back to your original question, I think um, having a good practice of checking in with yourself. So I try and make prayer like meditation, like, I don't know, I don't think you have to be like religious to, to meditate, you know what I mean? Um, to just take five, 10, 15 minutes in the morning and like really check in with yourself. And that's how I know when I've been working too much when I've skipped meditation in the morning, mm. a few times or like when I haven't done it at night as I'm like winding down. You know, so I'm not perfect at it yet, but I I feel like I'm getting a little bit better at determining when I'm kind of crossing into that red area of poor balance. When a student signs up to do music with your school, what's the first meeting look like? Well, this is something actually that we've been working on um, okay. and I'm super excited about it because it's like a... Um, I, we have a student onboarding form that every student fills out, the parent fills out for the student, because I think, you know, as teachers, we should be able to adapt to any type of student, but there's certain qualities 
of a student that, are, that we find easier to teach. So when they fill out that onboarding form, I personally look at all of the incoming trials and I've hired my staff and I know them all very well. So I can determine like this student would be great for this teacher. And I think that to me is so important because the student teacher relationship really determines the student's success. Students can, can of course like succeed in spite of a poor student teacher relationship, but I think you're gonna get the longest, most fruitful, like healthiest relationship when the student and the teacher really click. And then also in that background form, you know, there's a little bit of information. So like other extracurricular activities the students do. So it's, it's easier to connect with your student. It's not just like, okay, you're here to learn piano and this is all we're gonna do. You know, you treat them like a person, you talk to them, you have like a genuine interest in their life. And then we have um, this whole like automated system of trial onboarding now, which I'm so grateful for because it used to take me so much of my time to do, but it gets the client like all set up and ready to go because we have a really special setup for our online lessons where we use like all this awesome technology. Like we use professional microphones, like multiple camera angles, all these cool things that make the online environment so much more immersive for students. So it gets them comfortable and ready so that when they have that first session, the teacher already has like a lesson plan. They kind of come in and they're like, okay, you know, mom and dad put this in your lesson plan. Let's try this today. And then they can start learning like right from the beginning. So that first session, you know, it's, it's really about just kind of getting your toes in the pool. And it's interesting. I had a client ask me like a few months ago, like, oh, you know, I didn't, I felt like, you know, they were asking about what they should have expected from the lesson. And I was like, I mean, no progress is really made in a first lesson. Like, it's just, we're just saying, hello, this is like a lifelong pursuit, you know? So I wouldn't say the, um, I, I'm proud of the system that we have to get a student comfortable in the first lesson, but it's, it's kind of hard to judge something based off of just the one lesson, you know, it's really the entirety of that relationship that you have with the student that kind of sets my music academy apart from other music academies. No, oh, that's, that is wonderful. Wow. Oh, thank you. Okay. How do people sign up to interview with you? Oh, I've also been working on this too. There's like a little form on our website where people can either sign up for like, they can um, just fill it out. It's like a type form. It's like ask more sort of button. And then those emails get sent to our studio manager. And then she will, if it's something that, you know, it's a general question or something, she'll handle that. But if it's something that's really specific, she sends them up to me which I love because I love having like a hands-on relationship with all of our incoming students. You know, I think it's important, like even if I'm not teaching the student, I want to have a communal relationship, which can feel a little bit difficult because it's online. I don't see them in person. So if they came into the studio, for instance, you know, I'd see them, you can talk, but I think because of that, the online relationship that we have, I just like to put a little bit of extra effort to connect and talk and ask them how things are going. Or they could, if they kind of already know that they want a trial lesson, they can just book a trial directly from the website. And then I get emailed their background form upon like the purchase of the trial. And then they get put in the system, I pick their teacher, and then it's kind of like off to the races and they can get started. Well, sounds easy. You know, it, um, it took a while to get everything like situated, but I mean, knock on wood, you know, it is easy and hopefully it stays easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, any closing thoughts? 
You know, well, one, I just, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for talking to me today and, you know, being interested in my story. And I like, I love being a teacher, not just for the relationship that I have with my students, but because of the relationship that it makes me have with myself. Mm -hmm. I think um, it forces me to hold myself to a higher standard of like how I conduct myself. What, Cause how are you gonna tell someone to do something if you can't do it yourself? It's like being an out of shape personal trainer, like that makes no sense, you know what I mean? Um, I've seen those. <laughs> I have, I have too. And it kind of like, it boggles my Whoa. mind. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I would say, I guess my closing thought is having a purpose is one of the most beautiful things possible and like my purpose is education and what music has really done for me and i think because of that i i work a lot but it doesn't feel like work which i think is the secret like you're never going to get away from hard work you know it's just one of my mentors calls it the uh illusion of choice he's like yeah there's technically a choice like you could decide to do the thing or not do it but like you're a musician right you're going to practice like it's not a choice. You have the illusion of practicing or not, but if you are a musician, you're gonna practice. If you are a business owner, you're gonna work crazy hours, mm -hmm. you know? But I, I feel very blessed, very humbled, very lucky to have something that I'm so passionate about. And I, I hope that, you know, by, by hearing my story or anything, like it motivates people to pursue that passion. And I think it's, it's scary to do stuff on your own um, but just having faith and I feel like, you know, if it could work out for me, uh, it could definitely work out for anyone else. Well, I love hearing the passion in your voice. And also I know that from visiting your website that your passion is, is shared with in your students and what you're presenting as an outcome of all your hard work is all the beautiful music that is being shared by all the people that you touch. So that. A wonderful thing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So, hmm, I almost want to ask you to play a song. <laughs> you know, I, this sounds kind of crazy. I actually had surgery oh, no. on, my left, on my left hand five weeks ago. Oh, so okay. I'm, You're not I'm playing right now. <laughs> I'm slowly rehabbing, um, yeah. you know, and that was a humbling moment too because I, I broke my arm really badly. Like I have like a plate and screws in there right oh, now. Wow. Um, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to like ever play music again, um, but oh, I had an amazing surgeon. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so I, not yet, but I would love to finish this rehab and definitely play a song when I've, okay. uh, <laughs> when I've completed my rehabilitation. <laughs> but there's plenty, there's actually performance videos of me playing on the powerful piano YouTube. So if anyone would like to see okay. me play, um, there's, and I also do composition. So I just finished a commission for um, a university in Wisconsin where I was playing and performing with a mezzo soprano. Um, oh. So my music is on there as well. Oh. Yeah, actually I went to school to be a composer. I didn't even go to teach. It just, you know, followed the passion and then I kind of fell into the the career. <laughs> oh, wow. That's exciting. All right. Well, I'm going to go look for that, that composed music there. Oh, thank so, you. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and just your talent. And I can see it and hear it in your students. So you're doing an awesome job. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
All right. All right, Giant Builders. See you next time. Thank you for listening. This has been The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant.